Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. I'm Erlon Woods. I'm Nigel Poor. We're the hosts and creators of Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. Ear Hustle is a show about life inside prison, but it's not your typical prison podcast. In this next season, we've got stories about the objects people keep inside their prison cells. About residents in a women's prison who say they want to stay there. And the most beautiful prison garden. Erlon, I will never forget it. Ear Hustle. Stories about life on the inside told by those who live it. Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts. Cloudy skies. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. We'll begin with this. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard will address the media in just about an hour. A press conference is scheduled for 2 p.m. today. Howard will announce his charging decision in the fatal shooting of 27-year-old Rayshard Brooks by former APD officer Garrett Roth. And he will also announce charges with fellow officer Devin Bronson, who was also present during Brooks' fatal shooting. Now coming up in just a moment, as the Atlanta City Council is drafting several measures, including expanding the authority of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board, the Citizens Review Board Executive Director Samuel Lee Reed II joins me. I think that this is an opportunity that we don't want to miss to be able to shore up what we have in place, make it as effective as it as it possibly can be, and that we're all on the same page. That conversation coming up later on Closer Look. Meanwhile, local elected officials, advocates, and community members voiced their concerns at the Fulton County Board of Commissioners meeting earlier today. Good morning. I am Commissioner-elect Khadijah Abdurrahman for District 6. I don't have any pleasantries this morning because what happened on June 9th was a travesty. Richard Barron should be fired. This board has no authority to do so. However, the registration and election does. You all need to have appointees there to fire Richard Barron. He is uh, a... a, uh, travesty and an embarrassment to Fulton County, and we need to get it right. Community members also asked for other voting reforms, such as universal polling places on Election Day, electronic polling, and the addition of more polling places. In other news, some good news for a lot of schools. Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings and his wife, philanthropist Patty Quillen, will donate $120 million to historically black colleges, Hastings broke the news earlier today on CBS This Morning. This year, with a tragedy in America and everyone feeling hopeless, we realized this is the time to do something bigger and to really try to bring the HBCU story front and center. This is the largest individual donation in support of scholarships at HBCUs in history. The United Negro College Fund, Spelman College, and Morehouse College, of course, right here in Atlanta, will divide the funds. How much? $40 million to Morehouse College, $40 million to Spelman College, and $40 million to the United Negro College Fund. This is Closer Look. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Sometimes they're called civilian oversight boards or committees and often called citizen review boards. Their task might be simple, is to determine, investigate, and make recommendations regarding complaints from the community about police 
misconduct. Now, it was just seven days ago I spoke with Samuel Reed, executive director of Atlanta's Citizen Review Board. We talked about the board's power and authority to thoroughly investigate complaints, as well as additional resources Director Reed felt the board needed. Since that conversation, a lot has happened here in Atlanta. The shooting death of Rayshard Brooks in a Wendy's parking lot by then APD officer Garrett Roth. The other officer, Devin Bronson, has been placed on administrative duty. At the time of this broadcast, no charges have been filed against Garrett Roth. However, Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard has stated a decision could come by today, midweek, and that Roth could face murder or felony murder charges. Joining me, as he did just about a week ago, is Samuel Reed III, Executive Director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. And Director Reed, thank you for taking the time again. Thank you. Thank you, Rose, for having having me on today. Let's begin here. How much of that body cam footage have you reviewed involving the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks? I've only seen what was what was on the news. Officer Rolf was fired and Officer Bronson has been placed on administrative duty. And as I mentioned earlier, charges could come today or later this week. I want to get your thoughts on APD Police Chief Erica Shields resigning her position. When we spoke last week and we talked about accountability and leadership within the police department. And here's what you said. The question, again, I'm asking is that you, you keep saying you want to ensure a culture change. But wouldn't that mean that it has to start with the leaders at the top? Based on what you just said, do yes. you feel that police chief Erica Shields has a pretty good handle on the department in terms of the culture and police conduct? What's your review of that? I believe with the chiefs that I have seen in the past from Atlanta and Minneapolis, that Chief Shields is doing a good job in what she has to do. Now, do we agree with our percentage rate of discipline? No. Do I believe that she has been working with with uh, the, the department and trying to make it better? Yes. There are no quick, see, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. There are no quick fixes to what is occurring with police departments across the nation. We would like to wave a magic wand and say, bing, everything is 100% better. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna happen. What we have to do is correct the things that's wrong, hold the people accountable who need to be held accountable, make sure that we have oversight that is effective, that is strong, that is independent. So Director Reed, based on what you told me just seven days ago, but obviously a lot has changed with the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks, Erica Shields resigned her post as police chief. Was that holding her accountable? Was that the right decision? I, I can't answer for Chief Shields. All I can say is that I'm assuming she made the right decision for her and for the department in order to be able to take the department in the direction that it needs to go. There were calls for Chief Shields to step down by the Georgia and Atlanta NAACP and some in the community. Did it really make a difference in her resigning her post as chief? Well, we'll know that as we go forward. There's so many moving things, so many moving pieces to this. And it's going to be important that the uh, police department Whoever comes in next 
understands that from top down, challenges to holding officers accountable will need to be addressed. The part of that is having the Atlanta Citizen Review Board be a part of that. We play an integral part in in helping holding officers accountable. So I'm looking forward and I'm hopeful that as all of us come together to try to give the citizens what they need related to what we need related to officer accountability can happen. Well, let's talk about that, Director Reed, because as demands from the community, much like throughout the nation, range from defunding departments to de-escalation training, talks about bans on certain physical restraining policies such as chokeholds, and then also greater authority and power for oversight committees such as yours. How optimistic are you now that the board's authority will be expanded since the city council is talking about it? I'm very optimistic. I think that this is an opportunity that we don't want to miss to be able to shore up what we have in place, make it as effective as it as it possibly can be, and that we're all on the same page of holding officers accountable, making sure our policies are in place, that they are enforced, that citizens remain involved in the officer accountability processes. And so I'm hopeful. We don't want to let this moment pass so that we're not repeating the 2014 through 2016 where we had protests and then things went back to uh, normal. So when we talk about expanding the board's authority, what does it look like? One of the major components of the proposed legislation is having this mechanism to handle those situations where the ACRB and the police department disagree on our findings. Mm -hmm. That's important. That decision by that independent reviewer will be bonding on the police department. And also having that in place would make sure before it gets to that level that the APD and ACRB are working in tandem to make sure that the process works. And we'll know that by the decisions that are made and the reasons as to why certain decisions are not made on sustained complaints. So in a sense, you're talking about an independent entity that will decide whether complaints are sustained and if any actions, including disciplinary measures, are to be imposed. You all want that to come out of this independent entity. Yes. And when I say entity, I mean out of this one person who would be a retired judge or retired lawyer, someone who's familiar working in this space Mm -hmm. to be able to make the decision based on the complaints from the, I mean, based on the investigations from the ACRB and the APD and our position statements that say why we uh, are are arguing for our positions. Mm -hmm. And they will be able to make that decision. And then that decision would be binding on the police department. Is that independent reviewer, is that a standard or something unusual to your knowledge as it relates to other oversight committees or citizen review boards throughout the nation? When I was researching it about three years ago, I can't remember where right now, but there was a there was a there was a city that had that type of uh, independent review set up, and 
I think that is a, 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 a great way to be able to deal with the disagreements because what it does is, is it holds everyone, the police department and the ACRB accountable to make sure decisions are coming out that that are adequately defended and based on the, the record, based on the facts and the law and the policies and not based on extraneous things that sometimes cloud, cloud the decisions that, uh, that we see. To your knowledge, as long as you've been with the board, did a, com- a complaint come against any of these officers? Uh, yes, uh, Roth, Officer Roth, he received one complaint in our office in 2015. And what was the result of the finding? The finding was not sustained. It involved a uh, false arrest. If you're just joining Closer Look, I'm joined by Samuel Reed, Executive Director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. No, it's not a rebroadcast from last week, but with new developments regarding the board, we invited Director Reed back to the program. If, through your lens, if there are no criminal charges filed against Officer Roth, what do you think that message would send to the community? That would be a, um, for the community, I believe, that would further... Uh, exacerbate the the call for you know why can't something be done I think that you know, the process needs to work and and the prosecutor will need to you know make the decision that he believes is is necessary mm-hmm. at this point and even before this it's upsetting to all of us that when it comes to criminal charges against officers and they're not held accountable by the, the legal system, it hurts all of us. And and I can understand the the anger and the pain. Uh, I've been doing this for a while and it, it, it's, it's maddening and it's frustrating, you know, but the, and that's why, and, and here's the other thing. Um, if the legal system doesn't do what it's supposed to, what it should do, uh, based on its review of the evidence and based on what 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 evidence it has in front of them, um, you still we still have the administrative process that should be able to that would be able to investigate and hold officers accountable for the policy violations, you know. Um, the legal system has a different standard, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, as opposed to administrative investigations that have a standard of preponderance of the evidence is more likely than not. Mm-hmm. And the violation of the policy is is enough to, especially in this situation, um, should the the evidence and and the investigations come out that the officer did something violation would be able to hold the officer accountable you know that's why we encourage citizens to always always file a complaint with the citizen review board because we need to make sure that we have these administrative investigations so that if it goes to the legal system Mm -hmm. we can still hold officers accountable through the administrative policy violations the other side to this 
is that you have a lot of folks that will say, understand this too, that for officers who, when they arrive to on a scene or a situation, have no idea what they're encountering. Officers have to make a decision, a split decision. And, and some will say, if you're going to scrutinize all of those actions and you also put the officers and the departments at risk for not only retention issues, but recruiting. And maybe that's not your your lens, because your lens, you are a citizen's review board. Well, um, Rose, here's here's the thing. We are about providing a, a fair, independent forum of investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that we will look at all the evidence that comes in, all the information that we're able to gather during our investigation and make a determination. Now, um, sometimes people are gonna feel like it wasn't fair that because they didn't get the decision they want. Officers will feel like that, citizens will feel like that. But at the end of the day, you want to, our, our concern is making sure that we have an independent, thoroughly investigated, fairly investigated complaint investigation. That's what, that's our goal. We're not, when we, when citizens come in, this, despite what they have done, we have to look at, did the officer violate the policy in handling that situation? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when officers receive complaints, we have to look at, did that officer violate the policy or the law and the law when they took the action that they did as an investigative agency? That's why we can't just jump out and say, you know, this is the way, this is the way it is. We have to gather all the information or just say that a citizen made a mistake. So it's going to be against the citizen mm-hmm. or that the officer may say it's, it's going to be against the officer. We have to conduct this thorough, independent, um, fair investigation. Let's talk about the board for a moment. Are there any changes you feel are necessary as it relates to the board itself, term limits, how folks are appointed and, and so forth? Anything you'd like to see changed? Well, I believe that the way that we are designed, we have a very diverse board that is um, that represents the cross section of Atlanta. Um, I know in the in the leg, in the proposed legislation, we are it's being it's been introduced so that uh, the board can have someone a seat that will be for eight someone between the ages of eighteen and thirty. Uh, the way the current board is is designed, most of our the members on the board are over thirty because of the entities that appoint them. Mm-hmm. So we're we're hopeful to have an appointed entity that has a pool of youth or younger citizens between eighteen and thirty that could be appointed. Um, that's what we're that's what we're hoping. You all, but you also do not have someone that's representative of the. Hispanic community or the Asian American community? Well, all of the organizations that appoint to the board, 
this those are open to anyone in society who wants to contact that appointed entity to be able to join the board. The city council can appoint anyone. The city council president can appoint anyone who has um, legal, I mean, law enforcement experience. The mayor can appoint anyone who's a resident of Atlanta. Um, MPUs can appoint anyone who is the Atlanta, the Atlanta planning board mm -hmm. can appoint anyone who's a resident of Atlanta. All of those. So it's open to anyone who wants to be involved. So, um, that's where we are now. Of course, people can all, and that's the thing about when I say citizen involvement is that citizens being involved with the process, if, if that is a, being a, a concern, certainly contact us so that that's something that we can push for to have that type of inclusion. But they have to know uh, that but, as well. And that's what we talked about oh, they, last time. Because I asked you, I said, you know, look, if community engagement is such a critical component component to an effective citizen review board, you know, you all, how will the board proceed to empower citizens to become involved and let them know? And and is it, and do you feel that it's important to say, hey, we do not have someone that's representative of the Hispanic or Latino community or the Asian American community. Uh, you have someone that, that represents the LGBTQI community. You have a lot of African black folks on there. You have some white folks on there. Uh, but one could argue it is not necessarily reflective of this is not as diverse as it could be. Uh, well, and, I would I would say this, you know, um, people look at pictures and think that they know the the full diversity. We have individuals on the board who are LGBTQ. Um, that's what I just said. Yeah, that's what I just yeah, said. You do. We have mm -hmm. individuals on the board who have uh, disabilities. You know, so. Anybody, anybody who wants to be on the board can certainly contact us and let us know their interests so that we can direct them to the appointed entities for the opportunity to be on the board. Now, do I think that uh, the board could benefit from having someone from the Latino community, someone from the Asian community? Certainly, mm -hmm. because it's for, it's for the citizens. You know, it's for the citizens and it's a citizen board. Um, now, is the board operating in the ex the uh, exclusion of people? No. So, and as far as as far as letting people know, mm -hmm. we are engaged in community outreach. We go to different uh, events. We we have a presence on the social media. Mm -hmm. And if people feel like they're not hearing from us in their spaces, they need to let us know. That's what, because that's what we do. That's what we want to do is be wherever anybody who needs has a concern to let us know. In fact, um, a few years ago, we contacted the Latino, the Latin American Association mm -hmm. uh, to start conversations with them. That's something that we need to restart. Because we went over, we did a presentation to let them know we, that we exist and that we want to have the involvement. And so it's always a growing uh, process because citizens, I mean, policing affects everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody. So everybody needs to be involved. 
you just told me, so now is the time to make sure within that legislation, you know, you all can, beyond getting your your powers expanded, but also now's the time I'm imagining to ask for some more money for the in the budget. I mean, you might as well, <laughs> you might as well go for it all, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Now's the time. I mean, because we want that we want the agency to work at its peak. There, there, th- there are things that we could be doing that, because of our staff size, we can't get done. Um, one is increasing outreach. Uh, again, we we last year we participated in over 150 events um, in the community. We need to be able to do more through mass media, still due to direct community direct community engagement. We want to be able to do the focus group. We want to be able to do the surveys that we can measure year after year the changes in the in the perspectives, perceptions that citizens have about law enforcement or officer accountability, because that's how we're able to to know that we're making the right moves. If you don't, if we're not able to measure that consistently, we're not able to determine if the steps that we, meaning the ACRB and the police department and the city are making the necessary changes. You all meet once a month, correct? Is that true? We do. So you meet once a month. And in that meeting, are you going over complaints? Are these meetings open to the public? Yes, they are. We meet once a month and the meetings are open to the public and for the most part, those meetings are about the complaints. So people can come and watch us do the work that's related to citizen complaints. One of the one of the uh, proposed amendments is to have the board be able to operate and deal with complaints in a smaller review panels so that we can get more complaints processed um, more efficiently. So that's one of the things I'm excited about as well. Uh, so we're making changes. We want to be able to serve the citizens like the citizens want to be served and meet expectations like they want. And we want to have citizens involved. Now, how have y'all been meeting during the pandemic? Has it been online? Unfortunately, um, we have not been able to meet online since City Hall is closed to the public. We have not been able to conduct a meeting since February. We have a we have a backlog of cases. We have citizens that want to be involved, that want to attend meetings, but we we haven't been able to have them. Well, you and Hopefully, I are meeting. You and I are having a conversation via Zoom. <laughs> Can't y'all do that? You you would have to speak to the city uh, law department. The 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 mayor had an, an executive order that closed city hall and we all have to follow that and that included boards and commissions but it's my understanding that the city is working on a process to start opening up and allowing um, boards and commissions to be able to conduct their business would you be in favor of having your meeting streamed live as well uh that is something that we have discussed and we We've been looking at um, how to do that and how to make sure that happens. Um, that's something that we, we do plan on doing in the future. Um, right now, we just know we need to get, to get back so that we can have these meetings mm-hmm. so that citizens can come in 
and, and see the way we operate and participate in the process through through witnessing it and filing complaints, that's what we need to have happen. And this backlog, Director Reed, how, how many complaints are we talking about here? Y'all have not been able to meet since February. I imagine it's piling up. Yeah, we're, we're looking at about 30 complaints that are um, that need to go before the board. And so hopefully with this this pass of legislation that would allow us to be able to have review panels, we will be able to handle those backlog of cases fairly quickly because currently if we only are able to use the full board, you're looking at maybe four to six complaints that would be able to be discussed during a board meeting. Mm-hmm. And the review panels will allow us to be able to move those cases along faster through the, through the, the board process. Finally, as we wrap up, Director Reed, with this latest shooting, death of Rayshard Brooks, the changes within the Atlanta Police Department that have already happened and the changes that are to come, and also with legislation coming out of the Atlanta City Council. I asked you earlier how optimistic you were in terms of the legislation. Now I'll ask you optimistic that now the Atlanta Citizen Review Board and APD and City Council and the Mayor's Office, that you all are on one accord or will be on one accord with a process that everyone feels is fair. Um, Because you might get pushback from the police department that says, why do we need an independent reviewer to make the final decision? Why can't the police department do that? Or in this case, it was the chief. Well, I think that you know pushback pushback is expected, but at the end of the day, it's about serving the citizens of Atlanta, and the citizens of Atlanta includes everyone. You know, it includes police officers and their families. It includes the citizens who are not in uniform. It includes everyone. We're talking about a process that is for the benefit of society. So um, while I can ex- expect pushback, I think that if we're looking through it through the lens of how can we provide a mechanism that will be able to benefit society and not our own interests, um, I think that we all can come to the conclusion that having a, a, a fair, independent reviewer um, would benefit the process and allow us to get closer to where we want to be, allow us to be where we want to be. Um, that's what I believe. Samuel Reed, Executive Director of the Atlanta Citizen Review Board. Director Reed, thank you for taking the time again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rose. We appreciate uh, being able to communicate out to the community. Thank you for allowing us to be in this forum, in this space, and thank you. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. 
Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. As always, I'm Rose Scott. As you just heard, the Atlanta Citizen Review Board is the oversight committee that determines as to whether the allegations in a complaint should be sustained or what corrective actions or disciplinary measures should be imposed on an officer. You also heard Executive Director Samuel Reed talk about community engagement. Well, Closer Look heard from the community this past Sunday regarding the shooting death of Rayshard Brooks. George Shepard, Atlanta City Council, District 12. How long have you been out here? For two days. Two days. I was out here yesterday, got here this morning at 10, I'm still out here. And so interacting with my people in my community, listening, talking, dialoguing, trying to make people understand there are certain, there's different factions of people out here. So there are some folks who live immediately in the community who know me and we're talking about what we can do. Then you got other folks out here who are just, they're from a whole different community. Some of them, I just talk to folks not even in the city, they're just here and they bring in different agendas. And so one of the things I'm having to do is calm folks down because what we don't want to see happen is we burnt down Wendy's last night. We burnt down Wendy's, Rashad Brooks, who was killed. Let's talk about that before we even talk about Wendy's. As a council member, I would tell you that I am highly dissatisfied and it was unjust in terms of him being killed. So I would say that on record everywhere I go. I don't care what people think. I don't care about who think what. That was unjust in terms of his killing. They could have did this a different way, which is what we're talking about in terms of we need to completely revamp policing across the country and in particular in the city of Atlanta. I've been involved with doing that. We have a 45-day task force that I'm on with the mayor that's going to actually talk about what we do to revamp this. So that's number one. Number two, being out here at Wendy's, by burning this down, we just unemployed black folks who work at Wendy's. Carver High School is right up the street. Kids from Carver High School working at Wendy's. So, and I was told by people who live in the community that the people who burned this down were not us. I was told that they were white people. They didn't even understand what was, this is what I was told by folks in the community. They have been in my face this morning talking about that. They're hurt and, and over what's happening. What we did this morning to begin with, we did a massive cleanup. We cleaned up the street, trash was everywhere. We cleaned up from here all the way to the expressway and down University to make sure that we send a message to folks that we, are, we want a clean community. So again, I'm out here listening, talking, interacting, and when I finish that, next week when I get back to the city council, we're gonna to begin to actually strategize in terms of what are the next steps. This is not me just talking as a council member, but what other things we can do, not only on the city level, this is a national movement. This is something that what's happening in terms of the black community is systemic racism that has been around for years. And, and the results of that is what we have today. Would you, are you saying also that it's been systemic throughout the Atlanta Police Department for years, even before Mayor Bottoms' term? Well, I would tell you policing across this country in terms of the history of policing from the beginning was never, I mean, there's a history even in terms of the black police officers who actually, when they had police here in the city, it was all white, black police department. When they finally, back in the 50s, 60s, brought in black police officers, they wouldn't even let them interact with the white police officers. They put them at Butler Street wide. That, that's a whole book on policing in the city. And, but that's not, that's typical across the country. 
What do you make of Police Chief Erica Shields stepping aside? It, it, I talked to the mayor about that yesterday. And in this part, point in terms of leadership, we need strong leadership. I respect Chief Shields and what she does, but we cannot continue to have what we have with our police officers in the city of Atlanta doing what they're doing, and that's no justification for it. So you're saying a lack of leadership under Chief Shields? We need leadership. We need a change. We need stronger leadership. We need somebody to send a message, if it's internal to the police department, to whoever. But we need a change in terms of making sure that we really do real policing and revamping the police department. You all will come back. Well, let me just say, when we had Mayor Bottom had that conversation with her, from what I've heard, is that as a part of this process, we were, she agreed that she would step down. You think that was the right decision? That was the right decision. Yes. Thank you. Park Cannon, State Representative, House District 58. You all came out here, the Atlanta and Fulton County delegation to the site of the Wendy's. What was the message you wanted to get across to the crowd? The message we wanted to send is that these are our streets, that we understand that legislative attempts in the past have not been supported by some of our colleagues at the state capitol. And because of Rayshard Brooks' killing last night here on site at Wendy's, we have an urgency to get that legislation passed this week when we go back to the Capitol. How likely is that, given that you all have to pass a budget, there's still some other legislation that people want you to address, hate crimes, all of that nature. Where will a measure like this, where will it fit in, and, and can you all get it done in such a short period? Today I'm here to talk about House Bill 636, which would create an accountability registry for police-involved situations of excessive use of force. And this is a piece of legislation we've been working on for one year, so we know that we have some more specificities and some edits and revisions to make, but we know that the first step is to get a hearing in the Public Safety Committee this week, so we are pushing for that. Secondly, we are here to talk about House Bill 426, which is the hate crime legislation and would allow for us to address some of the ways in which hate crimes happen in Georgia. People are tired, they're exhausted, they told you this today, they let it be known, they've been hearing so much of the same narrative and rhetoric for decades. What can you say to them that'll be different this time, or at least that you want them to know that Right now, during COVID-19, we've been reminding folks, be patient or be a patient. And with this situation of criminal injustice, lack of police accountability, and hate-filled states, we also want people to know that if they are not a part of the conversations going on, then we're not going to be able to get it moving. So we want to increase public uh, interactions with elected officials at the state capitol over the next week and we truly believe that that will be the driving force to make it pass. Counties will tell you don't interfere. Local municipalities will tell you don't interfere in what we're doing. But is it time now for the Georgia General Assembly to step up and try to pass some measures? What we know is that whether or not the locals want to do what the state is trying to do, sometimes we have to shake that conversation up. And what we are seeing right now in the Atlanta uprisings are monolithic leadership decisions, whereas we really need to come together and have collective brainstorms on how to get justice for Atlanta and Fulton County. I'm going to bring in now a veteran of the Georgia General Assembly. We've had many conversations before, Senator Nan Orrock. Senator, thank you for taking the time. 
Great Good. to see you down here, Rose, uh, on the front lines covering this really critically important uh, and horrendously sad development that the Atlanta police have shot down another black man. What do you make of all this? What needs to happen now? The time is now to do comprehensive rethinking of policing in Atlanta and in America. Uh, I just came from the state capitol and they're unloading the corrections officers out of the buses from all over the state to come up here and be a strike force. Uh, the, uh, the res to respond to these protests that are coming from the very heart and soul of the black community about what people's lived experience is. There's no one that doesn't know somebody who's lost a child either to the prison system or to a bullet. And the time for change, the time for change is long since passed. I'm hearing now people that didn't seem to take this seriously now moving to a place of accepting, oh, this narrative about black people being pushed back and held down for centuries, there's actually something to it. There are people that are moving to, and we've talked to people, and people have thought, people have died, people have worked to get this across. There is an openness now that I haven't seen before of, oh my God, this stuff is real. It's breaking through that narrative that blame black people for what happens to them. That's been the narrative. And no, it's not black people that are in the wrong. It's this racist, white supremacist system that has been methodically and systematically pushing black people down. Senator, as lawmakers, as state lawmakers, what can you all do? Can you try to push measures through? You have such a short time. Y'all got to pass a budget first. Well, we are, of course, demanding that the hate crimes bill be passed. Now, that bill has sat in the Senate untouched since it passed the House. House members fought very hard and got a bipartisan vote and passed a hate crimes bill. We're one of four states in the country that doesn't have it. That needs to be passed, no question. But we have to do comprehensive reform of policing. Uh, do you know that some of our professional licenses in uh, providing services to the public require more time than training to be a policeman or a policewoman in this state? And, 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 and what's the number now for how many uh, police shootings have been investigated by the GBPI this year? More than 40. The numbers are there. It's indisputable. We feel that the Republican leadership has no choice but to pass the hate crimes bill. But further than that, we're pushing to take the citizen's arrest. That was, a, that was, that was developed uh, in, in, in ancient times. It's a 19th century law, citizen's arrest. Take that off the books. That, that's what was used to, to justify killing uh, Ahmaud Arbery in Brunswick. Uh, take Stand Your Ground off the books. That was a new iteration that has been brought to state law books all across the country to allow people to kill with impunity. Uh, that's what George Zimmerman uh, used in his defense uh, to kill Trayvon Martin. So we have a package of bills for justice and we're going to push and promote those in, in every way that we can. We're also working on the budget to make, for example, are you going to, are you going to fund um, 
black women's health or are you going to continue to stay at the bottom of the American ladder on black women dying in childbirth? Can you can you get bi bipartisan support on all of these yeah, well, measures? We're, we're going to get by, I think we're going to get six months coverage uh, after the baby's birth for mothers uh, th that are covered by Medicaid. I think we're going to, I mean, we're, we're pushing for that in the budget. We're step by step pushing for that. But can you get bipartisan support on all these measures as it deals with law enforcement? Well, that is the challenge. That is the challenge. And I, I recall when we passed a hate crimes bill before in the House, came from the Senate to the House, we had a white Republican get up and speak out and said that he's no longer going to participate in discriminatory behavior. He's not going to do it. And he led the Republicans to vote for that hate crimes bill. It was not a strong enough bill. But, but those things happen. People have awakenings and epiphanies. Uh, so I, I'm not giving up on the legislative process by any means. And, and we're adding new people coming to the legislature. And there are people that are leaving and won't be there. So it's a, it's a new day dawning. And the protest that's come from the heart of the black community with allies from the white community, the Latino community, the Asian community. There's a, there's a mighty storm rising in this state and across this country, and we're going to get change. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Rose. See, I'm fr originally from Miami, Florida, but I just moved here two and a half years ago. You live in this community? I don't, but I have friends that live here, and my homeboy, he stays right there. It could have been him because he comes to this Wendy's all the time. You're part of the community. What do okay. you want? First and foremost, they need to get rid of quotas because quotas is what have these police out here acting a fool. Number two, if you don't live in this community, because they have cops that stay in this community that did not respond to that call. Why is that? Those two white cops should have been in Buckhead. They shouldn't have been here because they don't know the people in this community. And they see a, a black man, they de automatically demonize him. And that is the problem. That man has three children that now have to wake up to no father. That is not okay. And they continue doing that. And they, they continue to put our children through trauma. And it's a generational curse. They have to break it, period. And the fact that we're in the blackest city in America and we still have to go through this, it tells you something is wrong. It tells you something is wrong. What accountability does Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms have in all of this? She has, she, those, the blood is on her hands because she basically gave the green light. Keisha, and that's, and th did you notice that la a couple weeks ago, Keisha had a lot to say about what we were doing, but then all of a sudden when this happened, the, t the tune of the drum changed because she knows she was wrong for all the she was talking two weeks ago. Because people are upset because she th she's saying APD is the greatest police department and two weeks later they go and kill somebody? Come on now. Why did she not come in here and be like, okay, these are the changes y'all need to make. Y'all need to learn how to de-escalate situations. And even in this case, if the man is drunk and, and sleeping, tell him to pull into the parking lot and go to sleep. He said he will walk to his sister's house and they continue to escalate the situation. That's a problem. Who's managing and overseeing the police unions who fight hard to not only allow them to keep their jobs, but then keep their pensions? Who is overseeing that? We, we can go back to policing our own communities, but when we do that, they, they swamp down because, like she said, they have quotas to fill that make it very dangerous. If I know I'm going to get a bonus or something, if I go out here and arrest more people, this was uncalled for. I would think the heavy questions that y'all need to be asking are, and I hope that they surface, 
is when if he failed a field sobriety test, was he not patted down at that time to know that he didn't have a weapon? So if the only weapon that you feared was the taser that you were trying to use on him is what made you feel threatened? Let's ask the real questions. Let's ask the real questions to say what really made you feel. Was it just that you drove into a black neighborhood to make a black arrest? These are the questions that we overlook and they get lost in all of our emotions. I'm convinced that we grieve deeper because we've been seeing it televised since slavery. So why don't we ask the real question, and why isn't Keisha Lance Bottoms down here? If you fear the community that you are part of, that you brag about, that you say you that, that you were mayoring for, come down here so you could be seen. That's what the people need to see. The religious leaders, Creflo them, they're not down here. T.I. them want to tell us to shop black or don't shop one day, but yet they still building up Versace them. This is what needs to happen. Otherwise, we're going to see uh, people coming together, and it's going to flip the script, and you're going to hurt so bad that then you are going to start killing other people because you're going to take it out on innocent people. And then when it looks like white people are being slaughtered in the streets, that's when something is going to change, and we don't want it to get to that. What is your message to Mayor Bottoms? Be more visible. That's the only thing that's going to make these people even go decide to vote because they feel like every time somebody gets in there, they hear during election time knocking on doors. After that, they don't see them anymore. Come out here if you have to have the National Guard stand guard with you. Just Park came down here by herself. Park Kennedy, she didn't have no security. Come out here. But by the time Park get here, they so frustrated, they can't even hear that she's really fighting for the real cause for everybody out here. I would challenge Keisha to come sit in these communities. Jeff Delp, a resident and uh, operator of Carver Neighborhood Market. You've been in a neighborhood for more than two decades. Two decades, sure. You ever seen anything like this? Absolutely not. This is this is this is new. Not have not seen this before. What do you make of this? Um, uh, lots of lots of things. Uh, one, I feel like this is something that is this is an Atlanta story, right? That happened to, that Friday night in our neighborhood, uh, and we're glad everyone's here. Uh, but this isn't the story of our neighborhood. Uh, the story of our neighborhood certainly is police brutality. I mean, it's this has been people have been saying this forever. Uh, uh, we make it a point as you know, I run a store. To, this is why we don't call the cops, right? If someone shoplifts in our store. This is why we don't involve the police. We, we involve other people in the neighborhood to, to take care of these issues because cops just can't be trusted to do this stuff. So you say it's easier if the community kind of polices itself, if it's if it's not a major offense or, or alleged offense. Yes, I think sleeping in a car is not a major offense, nor is shoplifting. You know, obviously there's things that involve police, but these minor things need to be solved another way. You don't need someone with a gun coming in and waking someone up in their, in their car. You just don't. So. What's the solution through your viewpoint, the police side of this, the law enforcement side of this, the community side of this? Oh man, that's that's obviously a big big question. Um, on the police side, they ha they have to be open to reforming, right? It's, just, it's not working. We have to we have to work together with the police to figure out something different. It's just not working. We got to blow it up and start anew. Uh, on the community side, I think we got to keep speaking. We got to keep walking. We got to keep demanding something better. We we've put up with this for for too long, and it. One thing that we are seeing is when we speak, people listen. And the louder we speak, uh, the faster we get what we want. What do you make of Chief Shields resigning her post? I mean, I think she's trying to be a good leader. I think she was a good leader. Um, uh, I think 
she moved out um, because she was hoping that it, I could help with reform. Uh, I know she was respected. I know, I'm sure the people who didn't like her as well, but uh, I think she was trying to be a good leader in, in it. Does Mayor Bottoms, is there any accountability on her part? Um, I mean, I think we all, to some degree, we all have complicity in this, right? I think no one, we're all part of the system, and uh, I, I think to single her out would be unfair. Um, certainly, she could do more. Um, I think there's, there's thing, yeah. I, I wouldn't single her out specifically. Um, I think she's tried. She could do better. There's a, lot, there's a lot more she can do. Your store is well respected in this neighborhood. What can you do personally then? Um, I mean, we keep fighting. We, we need to add more jobs. We need to pay people more. We got to keep, you know, we got to keep fighting this fight um, as, as much as we as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all we can always do more, and, and that's the the hard part is where do you where do you put your energy in the best place? Um, and we'll we'll keep asking ourselves that question. We'll keep asking our neighbors that question. Sometimes what we think we could do more, our neighbors don't have that same opinions. So most of our neighbors were close by but weren't here last night and so we're going to be walking the neighborhood just so we can all connect and listen and see how everyone's feeling uh, so yeah just continue to listen and, and, and when appropriate act voices from those on site at the Wendy's location Sunday afternoon speaking with closer look regarding the police shooting death of Rayshard Brooks That's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelly Canavy. If you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash closerlook. And of course, you can listen to Closer Look weeknights at 8 p.m. And listen whenever you want, because Closer Look is now available as a podcast. Just visit NPR One or your favorite streaming app and subscribe. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.